This episode is sponsored by Vorboss. Check them out in the description below. But we can say it's good to have you here. Yeah, it is. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you it's so really much nice to have you on. Which is really cool. So for anyone that doesn't know, you you are one of the co-hosts of the Pulp Kitchen podcast, yes. which is yep. a film podcast. Yep. Uh, we obviously know each other from school, which yes. is like the three of us, which is why this is really cool. And we had quite a few classes did. Like, I did most of my GCSEs with James. I've got yeah. some good memories of that. Yeah. Biology with you. Bottom set math yeah. is thriving. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then we yeah. had like English and drama yeah, A-level. Drama, yeah. Always good fun. Drama A-level. Yeah. Drama A-level was a joke. It was. What is drama A-level You feel like I spent cover? a third of my time at school just like dicking around, okay. yeah. pretending to like devise something. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. the best. It was I hilarious. recommend everyone does drama A level. <laughs> yeah. It's an not easy like A. Yeah, super yeah. traditionally academically inclined. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely worth it. It's, a bit, it's a bit of a dos. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a dos, which was super fun. But um, genuinely, even though, yes, you're kind of learning, really important skills that I think to get getting used to devising things and speaking in front of people. Yeah, that's it's probably yeah, I a skill I value that. most. Yes. Did it yeah. help build your confidence? It's like, I don't think that directly does it, but removing barriers from an early age where you're constantly being asked to work with difficult people who have different ideas from you mm. to perform for a grade and to like communicate an idea effectively yeah i don't think that comes up for people until they're like way into their 20s and all of a sudden That's a good you're delivering point. something and it's yeah. like oh i've never actually spoken in front of people before mm. whereas i think like if you just are used to like performing and failing in front of people from an early age yeah. i think there's so much value in that definitely how long have you been doing the podcast for just did two years so we just put out our 100th episode congratulations thank you very much yeah. there's a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we got there yeah. it's like well, we were saying when you got here we were like <laughs> we just hit a thousand subs and then yeah. as a fellow podcast you were like first thousand <laughs> the hardest and you're it's like that, brutal, man. he's like that battle-worn warrior in the pub who's like scarred up and then someone's like you know nothing of battle yeah, it's true, it's so so true. true. yeah, yeah. 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 pipe in the corner yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. no it's it's really hard like the first the first six months for us you're basically putting out podcasts to no one yeah mm. and you're as podcast host pretending that people are listening which is yeah. really hard because yes really you, have to, listening you have to put the face and i sort of yeah. said to george when we started i was like i think i'm ready to do this for at least two years and have no one listen that's a re- that was like that? really good that you had that in your head when you actually started yeah, a lot of people like, don't they're like i'm gonna blow up in a month or two months or something. that's what everyone everyone like. says that you should do that everyone says you should go in assuming it's not going to get anywhere for the yeah. first like yeah. two or three years but i yeah. think everyone secretly goes yeah but we could go viral yeah and i think yeah, that's yeah. that little devil yeah. in your head and it's like if some for some people it happens and yeah. it's like amazing go go run with it but for a lot of people unless you're already famous or you already have a following mm. or you're like a top 20 comedian that's regularly on eight out of ten cats or mock the week congratulations you can or you're like louis through yeah, like, congratulations yeah, yeah. here's your like top charting podcast but yeah. for a lot of other people you basically just like hope pray yeah probably have to do video and you put as you guys are doing like yeah, you yeah. put clips out and the pray that one thing resonates with some people mm. yeah. and then hopefully you just like incrementally turn over one percent yeah, 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 of them yeah. to the show and yeah it's like i remember the day we put up what well, i put up one clip after yeah. like six months of just like talking to the ether and yeah, it's like yeah. oh my god like twenty thousand views on that was that a video really? a video short clip it's a short clip like we did right. around like george did a random impression of louis through that um we were just like putting clips up and i was almost like i was barely trying to put clips up i was like yeah i guess i'll put one up today like yeah, never yeah. got any views and then i put one up at like 1 a.m and then I woke up the next day and it had like 20,000 views. And by the end of the day, it had like 100, which wow. like considering we wow. got 400 okay. views like yeah. for everything. I was right. like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah. It's great. And then we got an audience and then things just kept kept going. So and did you start doing the YouTube right from the start then? Yeah. always. I always said we should do video for yeah. the same reasons I said before. I think it's really hard to get someone to listen to your podcast if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's video, 
I think that creates a lot more of an attachment to the people they're watching. Mm. Again, especially if they don't already know who you are. Yeah. I think it's easier. There's no, as far as I'm aware, you can't organically discover audio podcasts right so now. So this is what I was going to ask changing? you about. I, I don't I don't think that it is. And mm. I think this is part of the thing. We've, we've talked about this until the cows come home. But the whole thing of like, I don't understand how A, audio only podcasts grow without an audience, like you said. Yeah. And B... Even people with video, I don't understand how they get audio listeners. Our audio listenership has remained fairly consistent from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Our yeah. listenership number has been fairly consistent. Yeah. And I don't understand how you can market it. And so whenever people say I'm getting like 10,000 plays a month or downloads a month or whatever, mm. I always just go, how? Like with YouTube, I get it. I know yeah. that it's like, okay, make your thumbnails better, make your titles better, make yeah. the intro more mm. dynamic, cut out the dead, more, more dead space, whatever it is, more cuts, better color grading, whatever and more shorts, for example, like you yeah. said, discoverable. I don't understand how people do it with audio. I, still I, don't I would have it. thought like the only way that you could do it is just by building your personal brand. If you look at someone like Shivani, for example, who we had mm. on the other day, like she has a huge personal brand. And I think that is what really helped catapult her mm. in her in her listenership for audio only. Because right, you can't put any video content out at all. Mm. So I think as long as you build your personal brand and then that funnels people through to your podcast, that's the only way that I could logically think of doing it. Yeah, yeah I think like, so <clears> ours <throat> plays on the podcast apps that host video as well so like spotify our video automatically starts playing i've seen that so even if so it's basically ready if you do want to watch great but if you also just want to listen it's there but i think having that oh look there they are on the screen or on your phone is quite a good way to then get people into your audio and then some people will just be like working or drawing and they'll like if something funny is happening or interesting they might look at the video and like engage with it Mm. and then they can just like switch out Mm. and again i think if you don't have a platform it helps increase your an audience's understanding of who they're listening to. Mm. But when you were putting out at the beginning, how did you get an initial audio listener base? Or just, did you have just one? Just clips. I just think the clip, people would see clips on TikTok first right. and then Instagram eventually came. We got numbers on Instagram afterwards. So I think people just, we do, we do like film reviews and we do a bit of news and we do just general chit chat and then people send us emails, which makes up like half of the show. Mm. So we try to create like a nice listening okay. experience for people. And then we get more, we have more audio than we do video currently right as in on if you take out the spotify video so like outside of youtube right we get more i'd say it's about 65 percent audio for us at the moment and is that because in your link in bio for like instagram for example you Mm -hmm. just have a link tree that has spotify apple and youtube yeah so i think i think links to everything i think spotify apple yeah on youtube and then uh, if you're on tiktok it will link instagram and instagram link tiktok and so but what's interesting is we decided from the beginning that in our link in bio, we were only going to have YouTube, which could have potentially yeah. was a cat- catastrophic mistake. But we were like, we want to f- we want to focus on growing mm. YouTube more than anything else. So we're just going to double down on YouTube and we would only have the link to our yeah. channel. on Especially YouTube. when you spend hours making a video. You're yeah. Like, Watch my damn yeah, video. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> please. Enter, enter <laughs> Barney. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, please, I spend lots of time. Yeah, literally. Money on this. But, yeah. yeah. Um, how did you come up with the idea of the podcast? I wanted to do it for a long time. So uh, me, this is actually me and George actually tried to do it like six, six, seven years ago. How did oh, you really? meet George, by the way? Went to uni with George. Okay. So we went to uni together. I studied psych. I actually dropped out of uni, which is an interesting story. So I, I, uh, I, was, I studied psychology yeah. at uni, which like I came out of school really interested in learning stuff but i none of my subjects i was like i'm gonna study that mm. and so i was very much like i'll do psychology and then while i was at uni i was like oh, i probably just want to move on to work work but i was like ready to go anyway I met george did all the best stuff i did at uni was like 
doing plays, directing plays, producing plays, essentially doing loads of media stuff. So while I was at uni, I was like, oh, I should probably like work in media because that's all the stuff I'm yeah. enjoying doing. Mm. Met George when we were on a play and we just like, with a load of other castmates, we were just constantly talking about films. Like it was that time when the Force Awakens trailer had come out and there was this like renewed, previously dormant excitement for like Star Wars stuff. And mm. everyone who'd grown up with Star Wars was like connecting and there was okay. this powerful excitement. And so we just became really close friends. And then about two years after uni, um, I, I'd always listened to podcasts and thought there's probably only one thing I could talk about consistently every week because otherwise I'm just not that smart and it's probably like films and TV shows and then George is also he's I'm so lucky because he's not only is he a friend of mine but he's like my smartest friend and he has a weirdly encyclopedic knowledge of films and I can literally throw anything at him okay and he right. can if he hasn't seen he probably has seen it but if he hasn't seen it he can tell you something about that yeah. film so like as someone to do a film podcast with that's really useful we tried to do it a long time ago and at the time I was working in tv and George was working for a company that basically told him that you can't it was sort of like a film pr company and they were like you can't put in, in like opinions about what you think about films on the internet and so okay. we also weren't really doing it properly we were trying to do it over facetime we did a couple of trials and it never really felt like a complete idea and we were also just like a lot younger yeah, yeah. and i don't think now we look at it we just weren't really ready to do it yeah. so that kind of like died for ages covid happened and um i was like i still think the idea is good i came out of covid like panicking like a lot of freelance creatives being like the work i love the work i do and it's great and it's dynamic and it's interesting but i feel like you've got to have something else that you can grow mm. that's mine so at the moment i do like commercial branded content and i get paid to work on like other people's shoots for other briefs and other brands and i love it and it's great and it never feels like a job but i'm very much like like that the video i make for them could get 10 views or 10 million but yeah. my rate's the same yeah. and don't get me wrong like mm. it's fine but i thought if i can build something and put the same amount of hours and attention into it if it keeps going and I can keep building it, my that that audience and that product as a podcast is as valuable as I can grow it. Yeah, yeah. So I could monetize it infinitely technically if it gets the views. So I was like, I should really try and do that self business. Went back to George and was like, do you still want to do it? We could do it differently. I now want to do it as video. I already have this camera equipment and all of this stuff. And mm. like, as you guys probably know, like production expertise and equipment is a massive barrier to entry for mm, so many definitely. people getting into podcasts. Um, and so I was like, I basically already have that absorbed so why don't we just go for it again and then we spent like a couple of months this was the summer of 2021 we spent a couple of months uh just like deciding what the show would be we originally thought it would be like a food and film podcast which very quickly died because we just know nothing about food yeah. i think that came out of this thought that oh my god there's so many other film podcasts out there you kind of have to be distinct but mm. what i realized is that actually not many people are doing it yeah, yeah. i i thought when we started there'd be so many right let's be honest like two white middle class guys talking <laughs> yeah. about films in the podcast <laughs> i didn't want to say yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Glad you did. Did. and we're yeah. so we were so aware of it we didn't want to basically be be those sensationalist film bros yeah on the internet like really reducing films down to like i don't know this very say the most outrageous things get the most clicks and like what you realize is that like a lot of people start podcasts and abandon them and there actually weren't that many people self-producing video talking about films in a way that's a little bit more like we're inspired by sort of like traditional radio broadcasting style of reviews. There actually aren't that many people doing it. Right. And when we like eventually got into the top 50 chart for our category, you look around to see like who's doing exactly what we're doing yeah. and who are our competition. And I remember like, you know, there's maybe like two or three other podcasts doing it. And sometimes we're above them and sometimes we're below them. Like the rest of the mm. podcasts in that category, it's like, the Love Island after show. And it's right. like, great, not what we're trying to do. Yeah, or yeah, it's yeah. like the succession post episode analysis, okay. like yeah, the official yeah, HBO yeah. one. And yeah. I'm like, amazing. Also not what we're trying to do. As far as like 
two people self-producing a podcast. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh. It's actually just, you just need to keep, okay. keep consistently yeah, doing yeah. a thing and you can actually be one of the people up there. So that was basically, we just kept going and doing it for two years. I think one of the things that immediately stands out to me about the what, the difference between, because I always find it interesting having different podcast hosts on this show because every experience is different and every mm. podcast is different in a way. Um, what's interesting is the fact that you guys don't do guests. We have done one. You've done one. We've done one. But your format is you and George. Yeah. Our format is is guest based, which is hard. I think is well, it's it's easier and harder, but yeah, I, yeah. I see your point. What what I'm curious about is whether you considered having guests as part of the format at any point, and yeah. also what you think is easier and harder about that. Because obviously, mm-hmm. one of the things I mean, we had um, I don't know when this was, maybe like three months ago, two three months ago, there was a month where everything was going really well, and we had four guests. That, that yeah he knows what I'm gonna say we had four guests uh, booked in the diary mm. and we were like oh that's right. great it was like five or six but yeah. was it, five? it yeah, might be, I think it was yeah. five we had I think we had we had five guests in the diary uh, and they were all confirmed for like different shooting dates I think there were two or three in one week and then one uh, whatever but we were like okay great we've got five weeks of content because when when it's guest based you have to constantly be forecasting ahead mm. we actually had the idea for the podcast in August and from August we only launched in January of this year in 23 yeah. but we had the idea in August 22 and we were like let's film 10 episodes so that when we launch in january we yeah. have like a two yeah. and a half month runway nice. because we don't want to get to the point where we'd have a guest and about two months ago we had a point where we had five guests in the diary they were big names some of them were big names yeah. some yeah. big names and within now a they're w- not on you could be like the biggest names yeah 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 the biggest yeah 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 nobody had bigger names than we had yeah. it was gonna be huge um <laughs> we had five and within a week they all cancelled yeah. for one reason or another someone was sick someone was like whether that was legit or not we don't yeah. know you know half it's probably like they looked at our sub count and was like not worth it let's yeah. just bin it off why am i doing that but five weeks worth of content that we had a safety net around just mm. up in smoke in a day or yeah. a week and that is obviously something that's the beauty of doing it when it's just with you and someone else it's mm. like you you just turn up each week or however often you do it and you just do it so what mm. do you think about that kind of parallel so yeah they're completely different propositions for like trying to produce a show i think like out the bat george and i would love to do more guests we would love to have guests all the time i'd love to have access to talent people who are doing cool stuff in film writers directors basically anyone the problem thing that we realized is that we we had um, a guy called phil dunster who's on ted lasso on our show which was really cool and the numbers for youtube for that were the best we ever had mm. and it was really interesting to get to speak to him we timed we shot it like two months before it came out and we timed it to come out with the release of season three of ted lasso so we sort of like really nicely yeah. intersected mm. there what we realized when we sit down to do a show with a guest is that it's a completely different show it's a completely different headspace for me and george who are used to basically like being as fast as we can with our own dynamic and our show is very much it has this set in set structure which happens every single week and all we have to do is fill in the slots so we chit chat for five minutes yeah then we one one of us has probably seen something and the other's probably seen another so like he'll talk about what he's seen i'll talk about what i've seen great those are the titan thumbnail we're very lucky we get emails sent every week and then we do about 20 minutes of people asking us questions or following up on something that we said with a question yeah great free ideas for content and then we play a game at the end and you can also be yourself throughout that entire process mm, as well exactly i can be myself i get to just live react i've got like my own thoughts which i've processed i do a little bit of prep but basically it kind of writes itself. Yeah. The problem with the interview is that, you know, as you guys will know, to do it well requires prep. You also have to be considerate of people's time. The thing about marketing cycles for films, TV shows, is that you get very different amounts of time for different calibers of stars. 
like you, we could do a junket style thing where you get you know when you're in the hotel and there's like the poster yeah, of the yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and you yeah. have five minutes and they yeah. give you the content and that's amazing but that's not a whole podcast yeah. it could be a supplement to a show so i'm like do we want to have that to supplement the show but what we'd love to do is have an interview show but as you guys know i have to now organize other people's time yeah, yeah. As well as mine and George's, George works full time for a job. I like work freelance yeah. and do like yeah. multiple different things. My my diary is like super random and inflexible. So I'd love to do it, but at the moment we're so full on doing our show that I don't want to basically like compromise that. It's uh, like if we get access to talent, I constantly like I drop everything, and me and George would try and make it work, and we go and see someone. But it's hard to like actively pursue it mm. when you're doing the podcast. But you and know, all for, for all those reasons, like mm. I have to plan who's going to do it, and like we have to research it. I want to do it properly. But do you not um, think the upsides way outweigh the downsides in terms of actually building a network and help? Totally, get your, and you get, get access to their there. audience yeah. or yeah, people who exactly. like you know Star Wars, and I get someone from Star Wars. Yeah. You get their audience. Like, totally, I see all the benefits. Um, it's just, it's just, I've, it's a different kind of show we'd have to come up with. We need mm. to find our voices, interviewers. Mm. Maybe we don't both of us try and interview someone. Maybe it's one person who does it. Like, it's the good thing about there being two of us is that we don't, we don't both have to be available to do mm. it. So mm. yeah, if I had access to talent and I was pushing it, I'd a hundred percent do like a separate interview yeah. show. Um, so out of interest, going back to what you were saying before about clips, yeah. when you launched, you said it took what six months for that clip that popped that ended up getting a hundred thousand views. Six months, yeah. So for those six months, were you putting out shorts on TikTok, Instagram, and, and YouTube Shorts, and then how frequently were you doing it? And did you have any kind of specific marketing strategy around it? Yes, less so, and my clips were crap. Okay, getting, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, eventually yeah. you yeah, just learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, like just very somewhere. slowly through making loads of mistakes, you get oh, like that does better, that does better. Yeah. Fill the whole screen of the phone for the first yeah. of all. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? So what did I learn about clips specifically? Or yeah, was there any particular thing that you realized? Like so, in the beginning for the first six yeah. months, how often would you say you were putting out clips? Not enough. I'd right. say I was lucky to put two or three out a week, whereas now I think we aim for daily. But that's assuming we've got the time and the content. Uh, you realize that it's it's basically in the first three seconds you've got to hook someone with a statement, a question, or like a proposal. Yeah. So for us, like loads of our games do really well. So all the games we play at the end of the show, which is like fun pub quiz style trivia, all of that is basically creating a statement. So like, can you name seven movies in 30 seconds that have the word day in the title? Okay. And it's so very quickly, like the person is now also thinking. And it's, uh, someone said to me the other day, like it's not that they're playing along, but it's kind of like watching the weakest link. Yeah. Like seeing, you sort of play along, but if they get it faster than you, it's kind of okay because you're sort of watching them kind of figure it out. It's like a really good way to engage your audience. It's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, everyone, even people you aren't film buffs yeah everyone has, yeah i would i would films. still be thinking about that if i was watching i'd still be thinking in my head yeah and the yeah. key is not to be like uber like name 10 uh fellini movies yeah, it's like, yeah. okay great but instead yeah. you just like do really random one like i did one the other day which i've, I've created a game called shrek one shrek two or shrek three okay. and i named all the fantasy characters and you have to tell me if they debuted in shrek one shrek two or shrek three right, okay. right, right. it's like super mainstream yeah, yeah. shrek yeah, yeah. Everyone would give that a go. Like, yeah. was that Shrek 2 or yeah, Shrek 3? Yeah. So like, just like random That's stuff. That's cool. I'm curious about the dynamic when it comes to spoilers. I'm really, mm. I'm the most spoiler prone person. Yeah. I hate, hate spoilers. I, yeah. To the point where when people ask me what I'm watching, I won't tell them <laughs> in the <laughs> event that they say anything that could mm. give it away. Um, You've been burnt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my girl's terrible for spoilers awful just let it out she'll just say she'll she'll say some stuff like oh my god maybe you have to watch a movie it's really really great and i'll be like oh what's it and she, i don't give anything away yeah it's like an alien movie like i won't say it but it's like you know he basically has to save the world from aliens and then in the end the alien is him and i'm like that's <laughs> you you just like you just ruined it and then yeah. I, I, just, I don't know I, honestly it's still a great movie it's yeah. like just it kills me 
with what you do mm-hmm. spoilers is obviously a really big part of it because you have to discuss movies and as you said every episode there'll be something maybe george has seen that you haven't and mm-hmm. vice versa isn't there a part of you that's like well i don't want him to talk about this movie because i might have wanted to watch it and appreciate it so numbered episodes always spoiler free yeah like to an extent where like darth vader is luke's father but like, <laughs> like yeah. we left, there's like things that are a given but like basically you can if we review something like kind of similar to how a radio broadcaster would do it yeah. you don't reveal the plot yeah. but when there are films of interest or like we get demand from people who want to know something or me and george are really interested to discuss the film and its plot in detail we put out bonus episodes that are spoiler casts ah. so people who have seen it and who are interested and we also do find that like you know the batman will come out and you want to tell people if it's good or not and you can do that without spoiling it but yeah. then a, demand, a film like the batman will have so much demand because everyone wants to talk yeah. about like the ending and what this means for the sequel yeah. and so there's loads of reasons for you to go okay a week down the line we're going to do this spoiler cast and you can refer to it the week after because people are going to start seeing course, batman okay. like guys we did a spoiler cast yeah you want to go and check it out I'm but yeah i think always our numbered episodes yeah spoiler free everyone can come and get recommendations without ruining yeah, yeah. What, what we're talking about. So that's quite a good rule that we yeah. have. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, at what point did you start monetizing the podcast? And what were the conversations surrounding the kind of avenues that you were looking at? So we monetized it through, so like standard YouTube automatic monetizing. Like AdSense. So just like AdSense. And then- How long did that take out of interest to get to your first K? Oh, do you know what? I, t- I can't remember when it happened, okay. but like not that long ago. Really? okay yeah yeah. Uh, when did we monetize it would have been maybe a year ago because you're at what like two and a half now or something yeah I on think. youtube are like two and a half thousand because people at home you need to have a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time yes or i think it's like, like 10 million shorts views i think yeah oh, they've done that that's cool yeah yeah um yeah but like the youtube adsense is kind of like it's very low you get a little a little bit of money but it's really low input from me so like I flick a, as you know, like I flick a box when I upload and it's like, cool, like some automatic money. And then we host on Spotify and there's Spotify has its own basically similar AdSense program. So they basically sell your, your audience to advertisers. And it's like different from the month, depending on like how much ad spend there is. So towards Christmas, there's like a little bit more because all the okay. brands are spending mm. money. And um, they basically will automatically put ads in your podcast, but again, very passive. So I don't input that. That happens automatically. And then if we get approached by brands to do brand deals, that's where we get the vast amount of our advertising revenue because that's that implies like an ad read from us. So the brand okay. is hearing us essentially recommend something. So mm. our price is a lot higher for that. And yeah. it's like a direct to our audience ad read. It's not like someone from Samsung is reading mm. an ad about the new phone. It's like, I'm now reading to you from the brand who approached me. So when did we monetize it? I think as soon as we could, we started letting money come into it. And then whenever we've had an opportunity to do an ad read with a brand, we've usually gone for it unless it's something that yeah. just doesn't really appeal to us. But usually we've gone for it. When it comes to brand stuff, one of the things that we have always kind of gone back and forth around is pricing. Cause I think it's really yeah. difficult to accurately price yourself because on the one hand, you don't want to feel like you're being extortionate. But yeah. on the other hand, you don't want to feel like you're getting swindled for your audience. Yeah. How did you figure out how to price yourself when it came to brand deals? I asked a lot of people. So I tried to figure out, um, I asked some people who for agencies or for brands, pay for influencers to market i'm like okay so you paid this influencer with this many impressions in a month with that following how much for how many things and like the problem with advertising and podcasts is there's such a there's such a variety so if you want like a 90 second ad read that's one thing yeah. if it's going to be broken out as a clip on my tiktok where i have more followers that's almost like its own entity do you want me to do a day of filming like in your brand space that's mm. like a day of my time and a day of George's mm, okay. time and i'm going to edit that which is time so you sort of get used to knowing 
what a day of your time is worth mm. and then what the value of like whereas really a 90 second ad read takes me 90 seconds to record yeah. so it's, it's very time rich for me yeah, yeah, but you're now yeah. getting access to my audience and i'm talking directly to them so there is no i think like automatic value of it because you're the value of what your audience is worth yeah is as much as your audience is but i would say like try and think about if someone's asking you to go somewhere for a day and film something as part of like a brand and exercise think about what your what a day of your time is worth mm. and then go and as a freelancer who does video content yeah. i have quite a good idea of what like, yeah, 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 i have yeah, a literal day rate yeah, so yeah. I'm like, okay like around about that yeah would work yeah. right um and are you are you approaching brands or are they approaching you like how are you managing mixture. that a mixture we've had a good mix of brands that have approached us so like lots of cinema brands have approached us which, which is really cool we currently have a uh, a deal with view cinemas so a six month exclusive with view which has done really well and that's got like three rounds of advertising within that um and then we what have, does that mean three rounds of advertising within that it's got like three three different uh rounds of ad activation within that so okay. like th we they obviously said we want to market with you for six months yeah can you not advertise another cinema for six months so there's an exclusivity with that which is very fair enough and then they've done like they did a halloween one they did one for the barbenheimer week and yeah they'll just like but as in is that you doing an ad read for each episode that you've got during that six months just episode? one round so we've done uh social media stuff for them we did an ad read each time and then we did a day filming at a view cinema okay so that like day filming is like yeah. costed into that if you so for so. those six months every episode you'll be like this is brought to you by view no cinema. no no just like they'll have one round which is one episode yeah one episode or one like round of posts on social media and the wow. story and then they'll do another one and then they can do another one so for six months that's just three rounds three yeah three six posts. months is just exclusivity so right. i just basically can't advertise another cinema but that just includes three pieces of content yeah, yeah. In basically like three rounds wow. of interesting. that's interesting yeah. okay so i imagine for them they would have gone okay marketing team we've got our budget for the next for the rest of the year yeah. we want to market to uk-based cinema influencers who are going to recommend people yeah. to go to cinema and they probably just go okay there's these these podcasts or these influencers and they would allocate budget accordingly. yeah that's how i imagine it goes right i'm with you okay that's what i found is a little bit frustrating about me cold emailing brands because outside of an agency i don't know when that brand has allocated all of their marketing spend mm. for the year so you might you might cold email a brand and maybe like, they might be like hey this sounds great but like we've just set the next four months yeah. and that we've like allocated our budget and i don't know when they're next having the meeting yeah. to yeah, like yeah, 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 allocate yeah, yeah. the budget so what i'm trying to do now is like get in with a couple of agencies who can who are the agencies that get approached by brands who will be like, hi, I am okay. Apple. I want all of these influencers with this audience, with this demographic of this age. Can yeah. you find them for me? And then the agency basically put, puts you in touch. So you but don't can, they take quite a hefty fee though? Probably. For that, but for that brokerage. Yeah. There's only so much time I can put into yeah. reaching out. So it's a tricky one. And like mm. the, the cold emailing is, you should do, I'm always, like, I'm always trying to do as much of it as I can. Yeah. But sometimes the ROI on my time emailing is less valuable than trying to find people who are better at like understanding those dynamics already or people yeah. in pre-existing contacts basically be like i know exactly who to put you in touch with for this kind of ad thing. yeah i know mm. what you mean so, so that's another benefit of having guests coming on though because yeah. then they can, like you know you can tap into their network and they can introduce you to people and you can eliminate that middleman of a broker yeah as well yeah totally going back to the content side of things mm -hmm. um i saw a really interesting video recently breaking down the idea that some youtubers are leaning more into a kind of talk show format in the sense that talk shows have segments and james corden is someone who's for whatever you want to say about james corden has done this really really well where mm. he's done you know spill your guts and fill your guts and carpool karaoke and stuff he doesn't like get that. enough credit i think for late late show go on well he has a terrible 
Yeah. He has a terrible <laughs> reputation. Terrible <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Hated. Yeah. And like even uh, I think when he was I mean he was just gone out to later show. I used to work in TV like, as a as okay. runner and like researcher on editorial side. And like you would just you would just hear like pretty bad stories. I've heard yeah. some I've, 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 I've heard some like bad stuff where you behaved on League of Their Own yeah, and like yeah. again I'm not this isn't new yeah. information, this is just like stuff that's very much out there. But despite that, and despite the palette of hit like his presenter style not really vibing with like the English yeah. palette. What he did in America and how you have, you he have to respect that format, and I think yeah. totally shook up late mm, night yeah. and really went like clips and internet YouTube first. Yeah, yeah. is pretty impressive, and I think 100%. he left a lot of the legacy late night show hosts in the dust with what mm. he did. And despite a lot of the clips, I'm like, oh my god, James, can you just yeah. be less fake, and less yeah, like, no, no. like he smashed it, and he literally got like every famous person on his show yeah. doing stuff that you would have never seen them do True. on TV and being really normal and natural which is kind of what you always want to see from celebrities and content. I think that's what yeah. all TV show hosts are trying to do. They're trying to get a celebrity to be normal. And relax. And relax true. and be like, oh, I'm like them. It's yeah. so true. And he does that really, really he well. Does. So to that point, uh, I was watching this guy who was basically breaking down the comparison between late night shows and, and YouTube channels and how James Corden was the one who most effectively created different segments and they kind of made it more of a variety show. And apparently he was yeah. actually quite vocal about the fact that he didn't want to do a talk show. He wanted to do a variety show and he wanted yeah. to try all these different segments. Um, and he said that there were segments that he tried that, you would never have heard of because he did them like once or twice. It didn't really pick up. So everyone mm. sees couple karaoke and spill your guts or fill your guts, mm. but they don't see, what was it like? Whose nose is this or something? It was like something like where they show people celebrities noses and whatever. It was like Great. some random thing. It never took off. <laughs> Weird. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a huge hit. But again, you have to try, uh, you have to try different ideas, which is very much a YouTuber-esque format, which yeah. is I'm going to try, you know, you look at someone like Mr. Beast who did like, I'm going to count to a hundred thousand for X yeah. amount of time. Say Logan Paul. Like Say Logan, times, yeah. Logan Paul a million times. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to film my backyard pool with orbies and then yeah, do that and then it's you know so yeah so <laughs> yes so finding different formats essentially um mm. and so my question to you is has how much level of i guess ideation and iteration has there been with regards to segments on the show or is it just this is the general premise we're going to loosely tinker with it but mm. keep this format and just try and build off that it's constant never-ending we talk about it constantly right like how the okay. show works. we're very much settled in our format now yeah. yeah but it takes a really long time to be like this is the tone this is this is what like this is how we want to fill the show but like we always talk about what is best for the show and how to evolve it and i think a lot of people who want to start podcasts are um I think everyone wants to start a podcast. A lot of people want to start a podcast, but yeah. I think they actually focus too much on like what they're, what they're going to do and the content. And I always tell people like, it's better to just start and figure these things out as you go. Find yeah. a way. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people can go and make six episodes of a show, but it's how, like, can you do 60? Yeah. I always like find the easiest way to do as many podcasts as you can. And because you're smart and interested and you want to do your podcast, you will naturally pivot and shift your show. Yeah to fit into something that works. Whereas I think everyone agonizes over episode one. Like, what are, what are we gonna so say? True. And everyone spends ages being yeah, like, yeah, what's yeah. our thing? What are we gonna talk about? And like with us, I was lucky that like, we were gonna talk about films. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of things to do with that. Like, are you gonna do news and rumors? Are you gonna do breaking down different scenes of films? Or do you want to talk about the new stuff yeah, and review yeah. it? So you get a really good, like we had food in the first 12 episodes yeah. because like we just wanted to be different. But like, right. I really do think if you're interested in your own podcast and you just manage to do it consistently, all of that kind of takes care of itself. Uh, so a lot of people I'm like, just don't focus yeah, on episode yeah. one, focus on 
the next 20, 30, 40. It's a really good piece of advice because I feel like Massive. people do just focus on that one episode and they procrastinate and procrastinate yeah. and then they just never end up really doing it. And you guys will have done episodes right. and you go, oh, like that didn't work or like let's lean mm. into that side yeah, of it. Yeah, we've constantly reiterated throughout let's the Let's ask that, those works. types yeah. of questions because you care yeah. mm. and you're doing it constantly, you'll naturally pivot mm. and make it better versus if you just don't make anything, you're never learning and you're never moving how forward. did you How did you quantify what was working and what wasn't? Um, I think it was about feeling. I think so. I edit the show, and I'll sort of see what I think. I think I have a good sense of what makes for like good quality conversation that provides value. So sometimes we'll have a conversation, and we'll go, "Oh, like did that? Was that really interesting to someone who doesn't know us or who's listening for the first time? And is that take on that film original and new?" So I'm always thinking, like, does this provide value? Is it something that? Yeah, just does it provide value? And if it doesn't, or we have a conversation that just doesn't really drive that well, we might cut it. But now we're quite we're quite good to sort of, but very little gets cut from the show now. Given the fact that podcasting is something that people do or at least start because of enjoyment and something they're curious about or yeah. interested in, obviously there are people that start it because they think you know let's just sit down with people because it, you know it's a great way to make money. Which mm. ha, lol. Yeah. Um, but obviously people do it because they're interested in it. Mm. However, as I'm sure you know, when you do something creative. Uh, especially when you're looking to make it full-time and there's a there's a degree of seriousness that you have to apply to it and you have mm. to take it seriously enough to make it grow and that can sometimes take the joy out of it and I've seen that in yeah. many different disciplines whether it's music or comedy or anything else you know when you have to take something seriously not all the time is it going to be oh my god this is my hobby and my favorite fun thing to do there are yeah. times where there's an edit there's an episode where maybe it's not your favorite episode yeah. maybe the edit's a real pain to get through maybe the questions whatever how do you reconcile with the fact that this is something that you are passionate about? Because sometimes it can also mean that you're passionate about it and that's maybe your outlet. So before films were your outlet from your freelance work, for example, now it's your job to talk about films to some extent because you're getting paid for it. How do you reconcile that? So people have said, are you not bored of seeing a load of films? And then a lot of the, like sometimes, like so I go to the cinema maybe twice a week sometimes three times it's wow. really busy and we might have like a screening so like sometimes i'm going to see the flash and don't get me wrong i actually thought it was actually all right but like sometimes <laughs> i'm like i really just don't want to see the flash this yeah, week yeah. but of all the things you could have told me 20 years ago that you'd have to do for a job it's all right like yeah. i'll take it and like it all in all i like going to i, I functionally have to go to the cinema alone because yeah. like i don't want to organize always like my yeah, partner or my yeah, friends yeah, to go yeah. and see the cinema it's also just a really nice thing to do yeah. it's quite a nice just like me time to go and see a film and again like of all the things i'd have to do for a job going to the cinema is great in terms of like editing the podcast and doing it every week some weeks i'm like great done do the podcast in my day and it's like love the episode love the energy great yeah, yeah. sometimes i just cannot be fucked <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. like i so i work freelance and my schedule is like super super different and my day job is like editing and shooting yeah, yeah. so now like my side hustle yeah. is <laughs> editing and shooting yeah. and i'm usually doing it in the mornings or in the evenings so sometimes i'm like yeah great i don't mind staying up till like one two in the morning to yeah, get yeah. this done and exported sometimes i'm so tired and now i've got to make a thumbnail of george's face next to this film and i'm just like yeah it's fine yeah. it's hard it's constantly remind yourself that you get paid to watch a movie like yeah constantly remind yourself but i'm like you know it's hard but like there's an audience and they want to see the next episode yeah. and this is what hard feels like and if it was hard other people would be doing it mm. and it, like it works yeah, yeah, yeah. i try and like talk myself off the yeah like, the it's a good way of thinking <laughs> yeah how do you engage with your audience i'm curious to know that because i saw you did for your 100th episode you did a pub quiz i think which yeah. you had a really good turnout for oh, from great, the yeah. so like how do you 
how do you engage yeah how do you engage your audience so we say our email address in our podcast like five times an episode okay so every time we talk about a film we're like guys let's know if you want to send us any send your thoughts send them into popkitchenpodcast.com and we get ever since we started putting the email address out we've had emails every single week and sometimes okay. like more than we could read out so people send in emails we actively read the emails on the show and people will like respond to what we've said and send in their thoughts. So that provides a really good platform for people who love film, mm. who are smart, who want to like get into like deep questions about cinema to have this great conversation with the show. And that's like the whole part of the podcast. And then, yeah, we did our first ever live show. We were coming up to 100 and we were like, this is really cool. We should do something. Originally, we were going to try and devise a live show, but we were just way too busy. And we realized it's devising a live show and you need to get a venue and yeah, you'd want to not yeah. just... I don't know, we didn't want to just invite people into a very stale room and do a podcast. We'd want to make it an event. We'd said, let's focus on something else. We're known for our trivia and our games. Let's hire mm. out a pub and sell 100 tickets to uh, to like a 100th episode pub quiz. And then we put it on sale and it sold out in like less than 16 hours. Which wow. Was wow. That, that crazy. was really cool, which is great. And then we were just like, okay, we should do it again. We should do it bigger. So Jesus. we'd love to do another one. We'd love to actually now produce a live show and try and get people in to do something really cool and create that sense of community. That's and like, awesome. it's a really typical cliche thing for like influencers to say or YouTubers to say, but you'll see like numbers on your screen. You'll be like, oh, like this many thousands of people like listen yeah, to the show, yeah. but it doesn't really mean anything. And then you yeah. meet an actual person and you're like, oh my God, like that's an actual person who listened to your show. Yeah, and even yeah, though it's yeah. just a hundred people in that room, mm. that was amazing. And then you make a social media splash about it. Yeah, yeah. So we did an event. It was an actual real life thing. Yeah, yeah. That that thing I do on the internet. Look, real people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look at these real yeah. normal people yeah. who came. And then you like let people feel really attached to that. People are like, why aren't you coming to France? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not Next coming. year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 The budget's not that big. Yeah. Like, give me time. <laughs> I'm really curious about, uh, obviously the type of content that you do is very, I mean, I've, I mean, I love, the way you edit the footage it's oh. really it's it's got like a really particular feel to it like the oh, color grading is very specific the music choices it's it's very ta tasteful i think is the word i would use Thank you very much. my question is in an age where i actually just sent barney our producer a, a video about this on the train here about mm. how the way youtube is going comparative to tv but also the way it's going comparative to the type of content formats people are using because yeah. they're trying to retain attention which is obviously the main thing in an age where content is more and more about attention retention and view mm. retention um and you know hooks and things like that how does someone who makes the kind of content that you make reconcile with that fact because obviously before even when we talked about shorts you mentioned how there is somewhat of a formula you know you said you need to have a hook or a question totally, or initiate yeah. a game how do you kind of straddle that line between playing the game because obviously you want to grow you want to be able to make a living off it and yeah. hopefully go full time i assume but then also sticking to the i suppose editing and creative style that you, that you have so for youtube specifically it's quite a weird place to put yourself because our podcasts are anywhere from like an hour to an hour and a half and frankly not a lot of people on youtube are necessarily going to watch a 90 minute video they're not going on youtube to watch something for 90 minutes but as we all know it's really important to have that there it's the primary video streaming software um, so it's always got to be there and there is an audience there, but it's more of like an optics thing in a lot of way. So like YouTube in the beginning, as we all know, it was like super lo-fi. It was cat videos, Numa Numa, and just like very lo-fi. It was like the raw subconscious of the internet from 2004. And all of a sudden brands get involved. All of a sudden late night TV mm. clips are like the biggest thing on there. And you see the biggest YouTubers having bigger budgets than most TV shows now. So for us on YouTube, obviously like I work in media, so obviously 
I have the equipment and I like to think the know-how to make something look good. Yeah. I always think it's if I can to the point where the ROI and the amount of time spent editing something is good enough to make me look like a better, more premium offering than what my peers are doing. So I always was like, I want it to be super sharp, super well, super well lit video with great sound so that a brand can look at that and be like, I want to attribute my brand to these people. Whereas something that's quite lo-fi or something that's not brand friendly isn't necessarily in that yeah. in that pool of people that they'd want to draw from. So making the YouTube look and feel a certain way is more of like an optics thing for mm. us. And that versus, was from day one. Yeah, those, I knew. I know it's hard to grow on YouTube when you put up a ninety minute video. Yeah. Because if only if someone only listens for fifteen minutes, which is amazing for your eleven minute yeah, video, yeah, 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 yeah. but for ninety minutes, it's like you sort of got to let something go and be like, I'm building a longer term thing here, trying to build an audience versus just like. This is I I did this on this building and threw it off yeah, yeah. and it's a seven minute video amazing it's like well, I can't compete with that because we're not trying to do the same things mm. instead believe in the long form try and uh, podcasting is big on YouTube too I think I'm probably like there are really big YouTube podcasts mm, like Impulsive is huge and yeah. all of like the Dyer uh, CEO and Rogan yeah like those are all huge and all like the Vlog Squad stuff they're all podcasters mm. now so it's not dead but when you're trying to grow on that space I think it's hard you just go for what you can do make it look as sharp as you want mm. imagine imagine someone who listens to your show in the marketing meeting trying to pitch you mm. you want it to look as good as possible you want as many different brands yeah. to be like yeah their stuff looks smart i wouldn't mind those guys putting our logo up on their podcast it looks nice as someone who works in tv and media but also is part of the digital creator economy and is building yeah. their own digital brand which obviously youtube you know is kind of the future i suppose yeah. I guess I'm curious how you see the future of the creative visual landscape evolving because you've got one foot in both ca in, in each camp. Sure, big question. Mm. <laughs> um, I think I mean look, we just so I used to work in TV. TV's just I don't know if you saw recently they had like their first blackouts recently. It's in real trouble where they just didn't have shows on TV, so nothing. I really? Didn't know about that? Yeah, okay. like so what, loads of my friends in TV. Uh, are like struggling to find work if you're it's basically like five or six shows on tv right now so you've got in the uk so you've got like strictly i'm celeb apprentice yeah one show and if you're part of those like staple tv shows that have been go going on yeah, for yeah. years you're fine but it's really expensive to commission the first series of a tv show because you have to pay for the development costs right so over months and years you've had a team of people developing a format that costs money mm. and just frankly speaking the eyes are not on tv kids aren't watching tv so that ad revenue of tv is lower all of that is now being allocated to youtubers and influencers because yeah. that's where the eyes are so tv literally has less of a budget and they've become all the commissioners are incredibly risk averse mm. so that's the situation that tv's in right now it's been everyone's been saying tv's been dying for years but it's becoming more and more evident as they're just not commissioning new stuff. So I can see why, because I mean, I can't even remember the last time I watched something on TV, mm, yeah. personally. And people who are 10 years younger than us don't even have the instinct yeah. to flick something on like we might have had. Yeah. I don't really mm. watch, I watch sports and like the rare occasional show that someone's really pushed me to watch. Yeah. But I, I'm not tuning in to watch it at a specific no. time. Yeah, but exactly. And also, even if you take stuff like, you know, uh, kind of pillar shows like I'm a Celeb for example which I'm yeah. training at the moment I wouldn't I watch, watch that, that. I don't yeah. want to watch yeah. that anyway yeah. but even if I even if I did I would just watch I would watch the highlights on YouTube yeah and, so, and also you've got you've got your own YouTube you've got your own YouTube account with mm. all the a la carte tailored content exactly yeah. that you want and it's recommending new stuff for you because it knows you really well mm. um, so I don't really know what the future is I feel like TV has to adapt or it will die um I feel like it will just become much more consolidated. Like radio didn't die. It's just this very particular thing that people are like, 
that people put on in a very specific time, like automatic music. Sometimes I don't want to choose my music. I just want to hear someone to yeah. like not feel lonely in my flat, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks, so thanks, Greg. That was so hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. Is that all radio yeah. is now? Yeah. But like you have access to like all the music ever made. Mm. So why would you ask, as soon yeah. as you ha- hear a song on Radio 1 that you don't like anymore, you're like, fuck this, I don't want it. I'm, I'm not forced to listen to the it. entire music category at yeah. the time. Same as for TV and film. So I've got the entire mm. a la carte system. So I don't think you can compete with that. What? It'll just become very, very streamlined and specific. As an extension of the TV question, and I'm aware that obviously, given the fact that you have or maybe still have a partnership with a cinema, um, but do you, are you still partnered with the cinema now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got an exclusivity to the end. So I don't know whether you can ask this question or not, but I'm curious as to what you think about the future of cinema because yeah. I, I really love going to the cinema. I don't go anywhere near as often as I'd like to, but for me, it really is like, it takes me back to being a kid when I would get yeah. like, it would be kind of frosty outside and I would go with my parents and I'd get like, you know, my popcorn and it was like a big screen. And it's like, yeah. it's a it's a real, I think it's a great date as well. And then people shit mm. on, people shit on cinema dates. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it's great because then you can it's talk good. about it afterwards and all the stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I love cinemas, but I'm aware of the fact that I think the numbers of people going to cinemas are, are going down. Well, what you think about that. yes and no. So I remember in the noughties, everyone was like, well, they've been saying it for a long time, but I remember in the noughties specifically, it was like, uh, cinemas dying, there's no good films anymore and uh, the, the cinema is basically all going to start closing. And since that, I remember 2008 is when Iron Man 1 came out, which was the start of the MCU. Such a so, good film. Great film. So since that time, we've had in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time, I think almost all of them have come out apart from Titanic in that time. So you could look at that metric and be like, we've had the highest grossing films yeah. of all time come out in the last, however you want to call it, like 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Clearly the market is healthy. Cinema don't quote me on this but like the revenue for cinema is actually going up the problem is is that it's like i was saying with tv and radio it's become incredibly consolidated so what you've seen is the rise of the superhero genre become Mm. really prominent and what that essentially is is yes there's a market of uh marketing to essentially 14 year old boys who love going to cinema to see like things fight there's that but it's more about creating experiences to entice you out of your living room exactly so that's, notice, that's also what i think it is I the, think it's the, 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 if you think about christopher nolan at the top of his game of big budget summer blockbuster Denis Villeneuve, these large like oh but you've got to see it in imax you're missing out if yeah. you don't you've got to see it on the big screen experience so what you're seeing is the death of the rom-com the death of the comedy which is sad because why do you need to go into a room to watch that when you get essentially the same cinematic experience mm. in your living room i don't think that's true but a lot of people think that instead it's like you have to go see dune mm. on the big screen yeah you have to go see oppenheimer it was shot on 70 mil imax film come pay 25 pounds for the ticket get you in so it's just it's just going to change and lean more into justifying the big screen experience uh, yeah. premium viewing so yeah. you've got imax which is huge and then you've got the sort of bougie leather sofa every person like come and if you if you don't if you no want to leave your home that's right I'll make it more comfortable than your home yeah. and I'll sell you an eleven pound glass of Malbec and a pizza yeah. it's like yes you can come this is like IMAX wow. is like the other way yeah it's like it was shot on IMAX film it's yeah. like not IMAX isn't just a bigger screen it's an effect created it's on an experience shot like, on a larger yeah. piece of celluloid yeah. when projected on a large screen creates a more immersive effect yeah, yeah. so wow. you'll just see more consolidation of bigger entertainment I can see that because I feel like. I'm I'm no less inclined to go to the cinema now than I was ten years ago. Yeah. To me, it's still a really cool experience. Like I'm going to see Napoleon in a week or so. Yeah. I'm really excited to go and see it when I'm yeah. because it's just it's a it's a night out. It's a really cool night out. You Are you seeing it at the IMAX? No, we're seeing it at the Everyman. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like okay, fine. It's it's an expensive night out, definitely. Yeah. But it's I'd rather do that than go to a bar. 
Weirdly, I noticed kind of pre COVID standard multiplex tickets were expensive. Do you remember they got to like 15, 18? Yeah. Pounds? yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking about like premium viewing. I mean, like the standard multiplex was expensive. COVID happened, everything was shut. The death of cinema again, right? And then coming out of COVID, the tickets got really cheap. I don't know if you've noticed this at mm. most cinemas now. You can go to like top multiplexes and the tickets are like six ninety nine if you book online. Are they? Which okay. is really I don't go to cinema often enough yeah. to actually know it's that. It's really, okay. really good. It's like five, six pounds. I'm like, oh, you've literally slashed it by like 70% from yeah. pre-COVID. So I think their new model is cinema change never really made money on cinema tickets anyway. The whole model is it's to get average, you in to yeah. hopefully buy you pop, sell you yeah. popcorn. Mm. So if they could just get more of you to come in. Yeah then you're going to buy popcorn, which is like the highest GP product yeah. of all time. It's so yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I, true. I saw, uh, yeah. me and my girl saw the Love Actually re-release last week. Oh, nice. And it was like seven pounds each a ticket. And I remember thinking like, this is View as yeah. well. I was like, this is sick. Yeah. It's, it's, really, my- it's really cheap. And it's like a really yeah. good deal to yeah, just yeah. Put, on a, put on a film and go go catch something versus like 16 quid if you're buying for a family of four. Yeah. But, but then I got to there, I got there and I was like, well, I need to get popcorn. And, yeah. and I, exactly. if, I, if I'm getting yeah, popcorn, I also true. need to get the Tango double ice blast, like the blue and the red. I have to get it. I spent like 40 quid. I think like, I for it. Yeah, yeah. Like popcorn and uh, coke out of the tap at a pub. Yeah, is enjoys the highest economies of scale of any Wouldn't of any surprise product. Me at all. Coke like, is like you know it's like in that dehydrated syrup yeah, yeah, that yeah, then, yeah. then gets rehydrated. Yeah. So I think like. When I worked at a pub, my manager was like, you can have as much tap Coke as you want. <laughs> Go <laughs> crazy. So yeah. I think, like, if, you, if you're, yeah. someone orders like the highest gross drink at a bar is like a vodka and Coke. Yeah. Because the vodka, they lose money on. Beer, they basically lose money on. Yeah, but if you yeah. add Coke to it, it's like, way it shoots right wow. up. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you as much as you want. Do you feel like there's a part of, um, there's a part of you that thinks once you've experienced the more luxury cinemas that you can't go back to the, the views and the odins of the world well how old are you and like how much money have you got well yeah that is, also, yeah, that is true yeah that is true yeah I, do, I think it depends on the film like sometimes i'll go to like a nice but do you go for the film thing. or do you go for the experience uh so when a film has been shot on imax and it like justifies the larger screen ticket and you're literally seeing more screen real estate i'll go and see it on imax because you're you're seeing a different experience to seeing on the small screen yeah it's hard to explain but it's like it's not just if you put this podcast up or a phone you shot on your video on an IMAX screen that doesn't make it IMAX, it's shot on a larger piece of celluloid and you're seeing a bigger effect on a big screen. So I'll I'll do that for the big films because it's worth it and I see the difference. But then I'm totally happy to go and see like a much more quiet sort of different kind of film mm. at like a more, or just like a multiplex because I don't yeah, want to yeah. spend like 50 quid a, yeah, a week. A lot. I'm quite happy to just like pop over for 6.99 and catch a film. What's something that, as as a film expert, which is what you are, <laughs> yeah, you are. No, you are though. Uh, as a film expert, what's something that you wish a film layman like myself mm. knew about film or would appreciate about film, or should maybe consider about film or be aware of? First of all, I'm not an expert. I just talk about it two hours a week every week. <laughs> I think that's ten thousand hours. I think that makes you an expert. Um, if you go to the cinema three times a week and then do a show about it two hours a week, you are an expert, my friend. It's probably like, I think more people should try and see stuff that's, that they think is out of their comfort zone because it probably isn't. There's loads of things that I think, you know, we so, like, I think most of the films are marketed to 14-year-old boys. Mm. It's comic books, it's Transformers, and unfortunately, like, a lot of people feel really isolated from the cinema market and they're like there are no good films anymore and I'm kind of like there are they're just like not marketed to you it's mm. the same thing that people say about video games they'd be like oh games are so trashy they're violent and all they see is COD, Fortnite and FIFA because that's what's get, that's what gets marketed at the Super Bowl there's nothing wrong with those games but there are so many amazing video games yeah. that come out 
that are doing something like so amazing that I think a mass audience would enjoy, but they're just not like seeking it out. And I think the same is kind of happening with film. You could look at it and be like, I don't want to see Iron Man 6 mm. and I don't want to see Transformers 7, where are like the really interesting ideas mm. in film. And I do, I do think they're struggling to get those type of films made because there's no DVD market anymore. Um, but I would just say like really try and seek out things that you've heard are good that you wouldn't typically go for. Mm. And that really like broadens your horizon. It makes you all of a sudden be like, oh, that was so good. If that's good, then this other thing and you start getting onto loads of really interesting films. Mm. But yeah, I think mm. uh, someone asked Matt Damon about uh, Goodwill Hunting and he was like, you can never get that film made today because back in the day you had two goes to make money with your film. You could release it in cinema and then you had this ever expansive DVD market mm, where people yeah. could just continuously buy your DVD forever. Yeah. And now that's gone. Mm. You basically have one chance to make it and it's at the cinema. If you don't make your money, yeah. you're fucked. So you have so studios become incredibly risk averse and consolidated and mm. they're not going to give money to a rom com or like a cute little indie yeah, film yeah. if it's not gonna make money. Do you think we're gonna see more of a democratization between YouTube and platforms like Netflix and Max and Prime? Um yeah, I think Netflix is doing very well with this model of let's make let's commission a bit of everything for everyone and pray that some of it sticks so for every i think what netflix currently has doing going really well for it is that when something hits on netflix it's like all ever, anyone yeah. talks about their share price literally went up as a result of dharma yeah like when there's a result a, of what dharma dharma oh dharma yeah yeah yeah, dharma, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. netflix docs do really well like when there's a hot netflix documentary it's like all everyone talks about for two weeks. Yeah. And you're like, how does this, this effect of like, re and it goes on the Netflix homepage, you're like this effect of everyone talking about something, I think it's right now only unique to Netflix. Mm. But at the same time, there is so much shovelware that I see on that platform that like maybe my mum's mate is like watching this show. <laughs> but other than that, you're like, you commissioned this, but yeah, like not true. so many other yeah. interesting things. And the quality, I think, really varies. And so there's some stuff on Netflix, which is like super high caliber and you're like, really into it and all the stuff you're like wait what how but what do you how know? does that how yeah. does that happen but what do you think it is about netflix that has I've, I've thought about this a lot recently but it's like netflix has a different feeling to me than prime mm. or apple tv or hbo max yeah i and i don't know why but it has a it has a glowing feeling cozy I, cozy <laughs> yes it's a cozy feeling and yeah. i don't know if that's because it's been around the longest in this space or if, yeah. it, if it's if it's so if it's so kind of synonymous with modern uh youth culture you know like netflix and chill that kind yeah. of thing it's so part of our modern culture i don't know if that's why but it does feel different yeah, I think the straight away the UI of Netflix is way better. I think Prime's UI is it's terrible. It's yeah, dog shit. It it yeah. needs to decide what kind of thing it is. Problem with Prime and uh, Apple similar. Apple I think is is decent, but the Prime UI is also trying to sell you all the content a la carte. Mm. So I don't know if I'm going on it's Prime true. to watch a Prime original show yeah, yeah, yeah. or to like find just yeah. like a film I want to rent yeah, for three ninety nine. Yeah. So it's mm. got those two clashing things i i would say maybe you just separate it you make prime video its own format where well, i'm on the app everything i can see i can watch for free yeah. like netflix never asks you for any money yeah that's the, yeah, that's the other yeah. thing that's a yeah. huge i've never thought about that that's so your so relationship true. with that browsing format really changes when you're like that's can i point. watch this yeah. every I, time you click you yeah. and you finally and you're scrolling yeah for for ages being like okay trying to agree on something with whoever you're watching with and then you go okay what about that and you go oh it's not included and also like the, the this might be my tv or like but to be honest, i use it on like my 
my PlayStation as well. Like the actual UI runs slowly on on Prime. Yeah. So Whereas Netflix, it like it's clicky, it's, it's fast. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I feel like if you're lagging behind my click, I'm yeah, like, it's hyper responsive. Yeah, I'm, I'm off. Yeah, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Apple TV is doing a really interesting thing right now. They've got a couple of really great shows that have done well. They're clearly going for that HBO style model yeah. of really high cal, fewer, yeah. very high caliber shows. I don't think Apple has had the same um, Netflix style effect where, like, when a show on Apple is really good, I don't think everyone is going to watch it. Yeah. Whereas when Netflix shows really hit, mm. it gets seen. So sometimes people are like, "What's good on Apple?" And I'll mention like two things, and they're like, "I've never heard of it." Mm. Why do you like, think that oh, is? Really uh, I just think they're still they're still figuring it out. I think they need like a Game of Thrones caliber of show yeah. to hit for people to be like Apple TV is really worth it. But they throw Apple TV are throwing money around, really? but not even the... all the talent. Yeah, yeah. And the, Apple are like the richest cash entity. That's yeah. it's good in the you world. say that actually because I can't think of an Apple TV show that's been made that I would have heard about. Severance. Have you watched Severance? No, that's that's brilliant. You should see no. that. That's uh, I've heard about Adam Scott, Ted Lasso, and the Morning Show. Ted Lasso. I've started watching huge. Ted Lasso last week. Actually, nice. Yes, yeah. Ted Lasso in, in America, they adore Ted Lasso. Yeah, right. you, there's like you go to America, there's like the calendars, the mugs, the bobbleheads. Really? really. Whereas I think in the UK we like it, but it it you have to sort of remember that's not what the UK is really yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's not us. For yeah. us, we're like that's cute. They yeah, think exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah, in America, yeah. like the UK <laughs> yeah. soccer. It's oh British. God. What if we, what if we were, they were more like Americans? Wouldn't it yeah. be fab? Whereas in the UK, we're like this is sweet, <laughs> and I'm very depressed, and the show is very happy. Yeah. So all yeah. told, and it was locked down when it came out. So yeah. it's like a really sweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice True. balance, but but, um, but what you said about how it, it, you think it comes down to they haven't had like their Game of Thrones type show, yeah. but what do you think it is about that thing that you said how on Netflix if there's a show that is really good of that caliber, yeah. everyone's like you need to watch it, and that's not happening with Apple, even if as you said there are some really high caliber yeah. shows on there. Why do you think that is? More people have Netflix. I think the first, I think the Netflix is the verb, like to Hoover. To ne- yeah. So if you're gonna, why don't we just watch something on Netflix tonight? You could mean like all the apps yeah, yeah, yeah. to Netflix something I think has become the verb which is what you want to be when you're a brand, that's a very good a point streamer. Yeah. we talk about so streamers true, we mention yeah. Netflix we don't say Apple really but yeah. that'll come they were also first they also true. had like the first round of shows that were real hit like House of Cards yeah, Orange yeah. is the New Black that was yeah. when people were like oh TV mm. the golden age of TV the stars are there the budget's going to TV they were, they were the, the head of that and they've been doing it for a long time yeah, yeah. which I think really helps them just going back to something completely separate i'm curious to know from your perspective what what do you think has allowed people to actually engage with you and george and what's allowed your podcast to get to where it is now um completely separate point but i'm just curious as to like what's allowed you to get to where you are when so many others have not i think people have told us that they feel like we talk about film in an approachable non-pretentious way so we've always wanted to capture that spirit of like you've just gone to see a film and you've gone to the pub with your like two or three mates to chat about it and I think uh, we try not to, I don't know, you just you want to make sure that people can understand what you're saying when you're talking about it. So we don't take for granted that people know exactly who the director is, who the cast member is, what films they did before. So we're always trying to get people included in that process of like this person, they did this before. Yeah. And we don't, uh, whenever like your opinion that's different to us is wrong. We've always kind of been try- open to be like, if you like, I'd love to know if you liked it, send us an email why. Okay. And I think that, being yourself and not trying to be something that you're not is always quite helpful mm. and then like if you can be funny and entertaining that's always mm. yeah, that's yeah, always yeah. great but, yeah awesome i um, would say like i've solved it yeah. <laughs> or, i'm or, actually like, just the guy yes i completed podcasting yeah, yeah but you have, you have built a successful podcast though yeah it's, it's, it, i have i have like, an audience which is like as happy as I you are at the start of your journey of course but you have still totally. got past a lot that most people have not 
I, I, yeah, like I, I go back to before. I just think it's consistently doing a thing. I don't think yeah. there's anything that special about what me and George do. I just think we've done it for two years and haven't stopped. And mm. I would just urge people who are like trying to figure out how to do a podcast, stop thinking about episode one. Just think about how you can do a thing consistently for as long a time as you can. And I promise yeah. you, like, you will get an audience eventually. Mm. No, it's you, a really good you, piece of you will care the most about your own show yeah. and you will naturally pivot and move slowly yeah. better and better and it will just, like, I, I never ever go back to my first 10 episodes because I just yeah. cringe and yeah. sing, which I think is a good thing because it means yeah. I'm growing yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> it means we're getting better it's a good so. way of thinking about it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just before we wrap up I have two questions I want to ask yeah. very very basic but I just I, I think you've got quite an interesting view on things and so I'm yeah. really curious to ask yeah. very straightforward mm-hmm. what is the best film you've ever seen and why and subsequently okay. what is the worst film you've ever seen and why Ooh, okay, so the don't have a favorite. You film. immediately went so film critic. You had your you went. Depends what mood I'm in. Yeah, but um, two that I will often go for. I love The Prestige. I think that film I could watch it once a year, every year of my life, and I'll notice something different about it. And it's layered and it's deep, and it's smart. And the acting's brilliant. Have you guys seen The Prestige? A great film. Okay. Don't Google anything about it. Just go and watch it. Yeah. And it's a film that has to be seen twice. Yeah. Okay. So your first experience watching it is one very interesting thing. And then your second experience watching it is something very different. And then uh, my more like film bro answer is The Lord of the Rings Extended Edition. Yes. That is my, whenever I'm yeah. sick, I'll settle in for like 13 hours of The Lord of the Rings. I don't think there's anything else like it. And I yeah. don't feel like anything like that could get made. It nearly like busted uh, New Line Cinema when they made it. It's just pure cinema at its absolute best. It looks beautiful. Nothing about it has aged. Um, it's just perfect. And it makes me happy every single time I watch it. So that's my more like lame answer. Or like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, the classic. I watched Mulholland Drive for the first time this year. I don't know if you guys know about that. Film. That's been on my list for a decade. Lynch. It's like really one that loads of film critics like really revere it. And it's like, it's this film that really eludes people who watch it. And it's like an endless puzzle that you're constantly solving in your mind. And I always know if I like a film, if when I've seen it, I'm thinking about it for days and days yes, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Mulholland Drive for the first time and I've like really tried to understand what it's about. And since I've seen it, like I don't know, six months ago, it's always on my mind and wow. it like pops up and it lives in my head rent free. Yeah. And I totally understand why people who are film critics who study the film are like, I never really understand it. Every time you watch it, there's something different you notice. Yeah, yeah. It's got this really like sticky, stickiness to it. And I feel like that. So it's something like latches hold of you like yeah. that. Like, that's the that's confirmation I needed to watch it. It's been on my list for so yeah. many years. It, Barney said to me the other day, he was like, you're, he asked me, what was the film you asked me about the other day? Where you were like, have you seen this? And then I said, no. And he said, your, your gaps in film knowledge is really weird. Yeah. Like there's really weird films that I've seen, but then there's really weirdly big specific ones I just haven't caught. I can't remember what the thing was. Um, worst film and why? <sighs> the worst film... I just saw the new Hunger Games film and I thought it was absolute dog shit. Oh God, that, yeah, but you just know going into that that it's going to be absolute but trash. Like, like, I know, I know the the second like the Hunger Games film three and four yeah. were not good, and okay. I don't feel like the Hunger Games sustains itself outside of like the Hunger Games format yeah, when it yeah, leaves yeah. the games. I feel like it falls apart. This isn't my least favorite film. It's just like one I saw recently right. that I like really went into. But it's like the third or fourth of anything good. Yeah. Wow. Because like you compare Shrek three to example, Shrek one. I think I think Shrek five is happening. Is it actually yeah, really? I think, I think that is it. genuinely yeah. a shame. That is just yeah. milking that cash cow, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just like this dialogue, and, and I've not read a page of the books, yeah. but like I, I shouldn't necessarily have to if I'm watching the films. The dialogue was fucking atrocious. And I watched this for like, and it's two hours and forty five minutes long. Who lets wow. a film that's got that 
terrible dialogue lets it go on for that long. Yeah. I, I know some people in the room editing that were like, this isn't a great film. Maybe we <laughs> yeah. just like yeah. cut yeah, the fuck yeah, out of yeah. it. Yeah. But I was so <laughs> bored. And I just watched this. Me and my girlfriend went to see it. And we, we realized 10 minutes in, oh my God, this is a really bad movie. Yeah. And I remember getting 45 minutes into the film, swearing I was like an hour and a half in. It's like, oh my God, I have two hours left of this film. <laughs> Did you not really contemplate boring. getting up and leaving? No, because it kind of like nullifies my impression of it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I leave after 40 yeah, minutes. True, I can't yeah. be like, this was rubbish. True, yeah. you, you kind of have to see it through. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like bad films, it's sometimes... I don't want to just be that guy that's like, this film is bad and this film is bad. But um, it's, it's sometimes things that like, you can watch a bad film and be like, that film's rubbish. But when a film wastes your time or um, just makes a really irritating decision about its plot, yeah. sometimes not the worst, the technically the worst film, but something yeah. that really irritates you, that can be really annoying. Mm. Um, and yeah. lastly, there's two films I want to get your opinion on specifically yeah. that are very close to my heart. Yeah. And I've heard mixed opinions on both of them, yeah. but they're two of my favorite films. Okay. Hackers. Hackers, I've not seen Hackers. Okay, great. It's Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, yes, I do know. I yeah. do know this film. And they dated after that film? I think they did, I yeah. Think they did. They yeah. did. Well done, Johnny. Um, so, thoughts, feelings, opinions, or can you not remember it? Or no, I've not seen it, but I know of the film. Yeah. Okay. Is, it, is it really good? Do you love it? I, I love it because when I it was that it was that golden like point of computers were still quite new. They've got kind of like... The li- hacking. Ha- yes, and it's like ha- hacking was fast typing yeah. and lots of green lines of command yes. prompts, you know, on yeah. the screen. Post-matrix hacking thing. Exactly. Yeah. It was that perfect. And then there's also a lot of like, I think it's really worth watching because aesthetically and culturally, it had this really particular feel to it. There's yeah. a lot of like cyberpunk. There's a lot I of ro- rollerblading and like eccentric clothing in that kind of cyberpunkish yeah. ha- hacking tech is cool kind of era. Um, I really, really like it. I love... Um, the way the 90s and the noughties portray futuristic tech because yes. they're just on the verge of like this technology and they kind of can see what it is with yeah, like yeah. an interweb of connected devices like they're, yeah. they kind of know what it is but they have no idea what That's it true. is and so like all the tech is like let me just hack it to the mainframe blah, 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 blah. so it's always <laughs> yeah. really fun to see it the matrix funnily enough of all of them ages really well yeah. and all the fast typing makes yeah, sense yeah. in their world but they very much like set the tone yeah, yeah. for all That's of true. it but yeah like fast hacking is great um, so it. yeah I would love at some point maybe if you could slap a little word on the podcast yeah, about what yeah, you think of hackers I would yeah, love I would to love hear that. I would love to hear like actual like experts break down that film it's yeah, one of my yeah, favourites um, and finally my favourite film of all time is Casino Royale oh great choice okay Casino Royale is brilliant okay it's great, so great. so brilliant I had this relationship with Casino Royale where I saw it in cinema when it came out in like 2006 mm. and like thought it was great and then rediscovered it like a year later or so like watching it on TV at home and I remember just being like holy shit this film is epic. so yeah. so well done yeah and it was such a reaction to you have to remember that the film before that was Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan mm. which was such a different tone yeah crazy mm. CG crazy gadgets crazy cars and then the Bourne Ultimatum had come out I think a year or so after mm, okay. Die Another Day and yeah. basically changed action forever. Yeah. Born Ultimatum was not fancy, not slick, yeah. shaky camera. Yeah, the shaky cut. camera, yeah, the yeah, fast yeah, cuts yeah, of the action yeah, yeah. scene yeah. changed totally. how they shot action and scenes. And it made Die Another Day just look like an absolute ham fest. Yeah. And that Casino Royale is such a response to the Born Ultimatum. And yeah. in the first scene in Casino Royale, that whole bl- really violent black and white moment where he yeah. drowns yes. the guy yeah, 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 yeah. in the urinal yeah. and it's just really graphic and shaky and you're like, God damn, this is like a really yeah. different approach 
modern bonds mm. um and it's just such such good fun really good at explaining the rules of poker even though you don't know uh, the sorry the dynamics of a poker game without having to explain the that's rules. true as well i always think it's really hard to do that in a in a cinematographic way mm. what um, did you think about the subsequent films that came after uh he sort of had a one-on-one off quantum of solace unfortunately suffered with the writer strikes that happened at the time mm. we're gonna unfortunately probably get a bunch of really crap content in the next year because of that uh, you remember like all the shows that got crap like lost mm. and yeah. heroes and all of that so that mm. that unfortunately they were filming without a script so that film suffered i love skyfall i think that skyfall might be my favorite yeah, of amazing. craig's so era it's so smart i think sam mendes sam mendes did such a great job like mm. recalibrating uh that character and really like questioning like why yeah. do you need a man behind the gun what even is james bond putting some emotion behind Daniel mm. Craig's bond with M that I think the series really needed. Yep. Um, what was the next one? Spectre. Yeah. Like trying to sort of like off this. I don't know if Sam Mendes was still like into the idea of doing a bond, but it was like Skyfall did so well. Yeah. Can you just do the same thing again, please? But yeah. I don't think you can capture like the lightning in a bottle that well. Mm. Uh, so that was okay. Like couple of good scenes in Spectre, a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of a lot of just like nonsensical moments, yeah. but I, I, it was gorgeous to look at. Mm. Spectre is such a good-looking yeah. film. It looks mm. like a perfume ad. That's it does. That's, that's, that's a very good way. That's a very good way of putting it. I don't it. know if it's it like a good yeah. thing. like Tom Ford styled the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. So obviously, like it looks amazing. That's yeah. such so a good summary. It's good, but you watch it you're like this is nonsense. Yeah, it's right. True. Um, no time then, to die. No time to die. I liked. I don't think it will be. I doesn't. It, I don't think about it a lot. So I think it will come and it will be a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. forgotten. It will be great pub trivia in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a bad film. I just think it's also interesting that they start with Casino Royale, which like super mm. grounded, still opulent, but like grounded in reality, no fancy gadgets. And then you get to No Time to Die and there was like nuclear weapons, nanobots, <laughs> yeah. and like a crazy virus that's breathing true, and just yeah, like evaporates. Yeah, 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 so they yeah. like kind of had to go a little bit supernatural, which I, I guess was fun. Yeah, true. But um I want them to reinvent it again with the new Bond. Get uh, apparently the rumors are like Nolan wants to do like a period 19, 1950s, 60s Bond. Wow. Who do you want know. Bond to be? I don't really mind. I really don't mind. I, I'd love to go for an unknown. A lot okay. of the actors they put forward for all of these like the ten actors who could play Bond. I'm like, yeah, I like it. Daniel Craig was very unknown when they cast yeah, him. Yeah, star of him. Yeah. Find me someone I don't have a pre-existing impression of. Yeah. yeah, And make them Bond. I really don't care. Which, to an extent, is what they like to do. It is. Yeah. yeah. It just means you've got a clean slate. Mm. Like I don't. I feel like Idris Elba. You know, would have been cool 15 years ago. Yeah. But like ever since he's been in the running, I'm like, yeah, it just kind of be the same thing. I yeah. love Idris Elba, but is it is it really that interesting to cast Idris Elba? I always, I always used to think Tom Hardy would be really cool. Yeah, again, Hardy, I think maybe 10 years ago, like when yeah, I know he did mean. Inception in 2010, yeah. I was like, that would be cool. I could never get on board with that. And I love Tom Hardy. But yeah. for some reason, anytime everyone was like, I can see him as Bond, I just, I can't see it. They're saying Aaron Taylor-Johnson is very heavily rumoured, which I think he'd, he'd really? be really good. He was yeah. in, uh, I think yeah. his Bond audition was Bullet Train, if you saw that with Brad Pitt. Okay. Well, what do you mean that was his Bond audition? Oh, people have Bond auditions. So like... Wait, we've got to talk about <laughs> this. Wait, it's what? Not, it's, not, it's not an official audition people will say that was their bond audition right so layer cake was daniel craig's bond audition night manager was tom hiddleston's right yeah so like all of the you typically your your bo- potential bond is being seen in a suit doing some suave talking action okay and people start to get the fever okay and yeah, that's yeah. usually that's like links so, exactly so like reggie jean page's bond audition would be bridgerton okay. and all the car ads where he's like driving in slow motion yeah, yeah, yeah. what is the future the new Aldi technique, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fascinating yeah. Bond audition. Yeah, I think they need to. They've done like the mo- gritty modern reboot. Yeah, 
go period take it and i think craig's era was all about what does it mean to have a bond in the 21st century when you've got drones and spy planes like why do you need a man behind the gun great question to answer did it with craig go back to the 1950s and 60s adapt the original books Mm. that's what I think Nolan wants to do but I don't know if so wait is Nolan it. signed on to direct Bond he's not signed on there okay. are like very heavy rumours to suggest Nolan's going to okay. do it yeah. but the whole like Barbara Broccoli yeah. uh, Ian Fleming Foundation yeah. want creative control and I think if Nolan wants to do okay. it I just read this in an article by the way right. <laughs> I think if Nolan wants to do it he wants to have complete creative control which yeah. I totally understand yeah, so I don't think he wants to be told right. how to write yeah. and how to who to cast I think he's like if you want to hire me I'll do like my Dark Knight my trilogy. Way. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I want to do my Batman. I want to do my Bond. So wow, that would be cool. Sense. Yeah, dude, this has been one of my favorite episodes. It has. Oh, also, I knew it was going to be fun. Done. I knew it was. But I knew it was going to be fun because I'm like, oh yeah, it's James, and we know yeah. we used to know each other and stuff. But I like this was surpassed all my expectations. Oh wait, I think so you're clearly. I, I think you're clearly such an expert in film, <laughs> and I think you have. A, I think you have, which I guess partly shows of you being a podcaster. I think you have a really, really. You're very eloquent and I think you have a really interesting way of describing things and putting words together. Like even something as subtle as like saying Spectre is like a perfume ad. As soon as you said that, <laughs> I thought of I thought yeah, of the kind yeah. of when they're in, uh, I think it's Rome, when they have the Spectre meeting, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Rome. I thought of the kind of yellow hue of like the color grading of mm. the buildings and stuff. And I went, that's so true. The dark suits with the yellowish orangey color That can color be a good or bad thing. Sometimes it, you don't want it to look like a perfume ad. But the point is, is that the way that you described that I thought was so spot on. So yeah, dude, I'm so happy for the success of the podcast. Oh, it's going really too. well. So um, and genuinely, thank you so much for coming on. Um, for where can people find you? That's your camera right there. Oh, thanks so much. You can find uh, my podcast is Pulp Kitchen, at Pulp Kitchen Podcast. We're on basically every single platform. Um, you can follow me at James Briefle on Instagram. You can follow my mate George at George Pundek. We post a weekly film show every single Wednesday. Um, and yeah, it's really great. We talk about new stuff, old stuff, play loads of fun pub games. Our social media is all just like crazy games and clips from our show. So if you fancy that, please go and have a listen. Awesome. awesome dude yeah. such a cool episode thank you so much Thanks. for coming yeah, on man coming dude on, man. real pleasure man yeah, let's do one. yes 100%, 100%. guys yeah. you heard it amazing episode please like the video leave a comment on anything that you thought we will be in the comments other than that we'll see you in the next one take care